events we organize webinars that we are pleased to share on our podcast channel and on our website www.arent.com. Our tax partners recorded a series of webinars to address recent highlights and important developments in the areas of corporate tax and VAT. We invite you to listen to our five webinars entitled Budget 2021 What to Remember, Case Law Main Trends, Outlook 2021 for Corporations, EU and International Trends, Transfer Pricing Challenges for 2021, and VAT Update for Private Equity. Stephanie Viot and myself. Hello, do you hear me? Sorry, I, I, I start again. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Thierry Lesage. I'm a tax partner at Arendt, and my colleagues Stephanie Viot and myself will have the pleasure of presenting today's webinar on tax litigation developments. 2020 has been a very busy year on the tax litigation front in general and for Arendt in particular. We are very active in VAT and litigation matters, um, including transfer pricing and exchange of information on request. Among others, uh, we have represented a large bank in the first case dealing with the interpretation of fines and their non-deductibility. Over the last years, we have seen a growing appetite for litigation, not only on the tax authority's side, but also on the taxpayer's side. I already mentioned in previous seminars some structural issues linked to tax litigation in Luxembourg, and in particular the, the absence of suspension for the payment of taxes. And I must say that it is sad that these issues have remained unaddressed so far. Stephanie will now present uh, the agenda for the session today. Hi everyone. Um, yeah, what we have done for today, we have reviewed the 2020 case law rendered by the Administrative Tribunal and the Administrative Court. And of course, we cannot share with you all the cases that have been dealt with by this court. But what we will do is to present you two topics because they represent, as you, as you can see on the slide, they represent more than one-third of the cases discussed by the courts in 2020. So the first topic is the exchange of information on request, and the second topic is the liability of representatives. And now Thierry will uh, update, update you on the news on the exchange of information on request. The first slide. Thank you, Stephanie. So, as you can see uh, on the first slide, uh, the exchange of information on requests uh, represents a sizable chunk of tax cases before the administrative courts. Uh, let's do a quick refresh of what it is and, and how it works. The exchange of information uh, on request is an international tax cooperation mechanism. It is either based on a bilateral double tax treaty or it can also be based on the multilateral OECD treaty. Among EU member states, there is another instrument, which is the EU Directive on Administrative Cooperation of 2011, uh, that can be used. And in Luxembourg, uh, the, the implementing legislation, the domestic procedure governing uh, that uh, procedure is the law of 25 November 2014. 
When conducting a tax investigation, tax authorities of a foreign country may ask to the Luxembourg tax authorities information that is foreseeably relevant. First, uh, the Luxembourg tax authorities will verify the regularity of the request and will issue an order to the holder of the information. The latter can be the taxpayer itself, can be a related entity, or it can be a third party uh, like a bank. The law uh, of 2014 contained in the past a prohibition for the holder of the information to appeal against the information order or against the fine. Uh, in a famous case uh, of 2017 called Berlioz, the European Court of Justice declared in relation to fines uh, that such prohibition was in breach of Article 47 of the EU Charter of Fundamental Rights, uh, which guarantees uh, the right to an effective judicial remedy. Now, as a consequence of the Berlioz case, the law of 2014 uh, was modified by a law uh, of 1st March 2019, which has re-established the right for the holder of the information to appeal against the information order or against the fine. Uh, on the next slide, uh, you will see uh, that uh, when receiving a, a request uh, from a foreign authority, uh, so as I was saying, the, the Luxembourg tax authorities have to verify certain things. First, the legal basis uh, on which uh, the, the foreign authorities uh, rely, identification of the requesting authority, and then uh, various information uh, which is prescribed by the relevant provisions. Uh, in general, this information will include, first, the identity of the taxpayer uh, under investigation, uh, second, a statement of uh, the information that is sought. Uh, third, the tax purpose for which uh, the information uh, is sought. Fourth, the grounds for believing that information requested uh, is held in Luxembourg. Uh, also, to the extent uh, known, the name and address of any person believed to be in the possession of the requested information. And finally, uh, a statement that the requesting state has pursued all means that are available uh, in its own territory to obtain the information except those that would give rise to disproportionate uh, difficulties. When this verification is made, the Luxembourg tax authorities may issue an order to the holder in order to produce the relevant information. The original requests uh, cannot be divulgated and the order itself should only contain those elements that are necessary to the holder in order to identify the requested information. And in this respect, and there have been numerous cases over the years in which the information holder has sought to challenge the validity of the information order, mainly uh, on the basis of an alleged lack of foreseeable relevance. And in this respect, uh, I should stress that the Luxembourg tax authorities or judges should not verify the foreseeable relevance itself, but should only monitor that there is no obvious lack of foreseeable relevance. It is thus only in limited circumstances that the judges will accept to restrict the exchange. For instance, when no element was produced in order to support the link between the holder of information and the taxpayer uh, who is under investigation. In uh, 2020, there have been some uh, interesting cases where the judges have accepted to restrict the exchange of information. Uh, in three cases dated uh, 27 February 2020, 
the administrative court has partially amended a judgment of the tribunal. The court has confirmed that in the absence of elements indicating their foreseeable relevance, a request uh, may ask confirmation that the taxpayer under investigation is the beneficial owner of a Luxembourg company, but that request may not ask the names of other beneficial owners of the same company. According to the courts, such a wide request could lead to the transmission of names of persons which are not under investigation. One should, however, note that this practical issue should be less relevant now, given the introduction of the beneficial ownership register, which gives an easy access, as you know, to that type of information. But in the same vein, I should also mention that a request for a preliminary ruling uh, is currently pending before the European Court of Justice, uh, where the Administrative Court of Luxembourg asks whether a request defining the concerned taxpayers through the mere reference to their quality of shareholders and beneficial owners of a company without any nominative and individual identification is sufficiently precise and meets the conditions of Article 20 of the Directive. Uh, there have been also several cases over the years where annulation of the information order was asked on the basis of the alleged fact that the taxpayer was not tax resident in the country indicated in the request. The judges have traditionally dismissed this motive, given that it is rather up to the tax authorities of the requesting state to make that kind of determination. Annulation of the order can only be obtained in exceptional cases where the litigant will provide concrete elements that undermine the essential parts uh, of the exchange of information request and which seriously affect the foreseeable relevance of information requested or other conditions that are laid down for an exchange. In a very interesting case uh, dated uh, last month, the administrative tribunal has annulled an order linked to a request made by the Spanish tax authorities in the context of a tax investigation on an alleged Spanish resident individual. The claimant in this case had brought several elements indicating that the taxpayer under investigation was not a Spanish resident, but rather a Dominican Republic resident. And these uh, information or elements included a tax opinion from a Spanish tax lawyer, uh, which was detailing the residence criteria, uh, a statement also of entries and exits from the Dominican Republic territory made by local authorities and which was backed by stamps uh, on the passport, an inventory of financial and real estate assets held uh, by the person in the Dominican Republic, and finally various uh, Dominican uh, documents, uh, including passport and driving license. I should also say that the tribunal uh, motivated its decision here by the fact that the Luxembourg tax authorities did not bring any counter-argument. The next question is, who is entitled to a remedy? As indicated before, uh, since the Berlioz case and the law of March 2019, it is now clear that as the addressee of the order, the information holder has the right to appeal against the order. But another question remained open, i.e., can the taxpayer uh, under investigation be prevented to appeal against information order uh, when he is not the addressee of such order? In a case dated uh, 6 October 2020, 
the European Court of Justice has given a positive answer to that question. Um, it was uh, further to a request made by uh, the Administrative Court of Luxembourg. Um, the European Court of Justice has confirmed the, the possibility for a national legislation to make such a prohibition to the taxpayer. Uh, the court uh, of Luxembourg uh, considered in particular such a prohibition not disproportionate given that the order does not place the taxpayer under any legal obligation or at any risk of a penalty and second uh, that taxpayer may challenge the order indirectly uh, in the context of an action against a subsequent correction or adjustment decision. But I don't think this is the, the end of the story yet. Uh, the, ECJ case of October 2020 referred to the Luxembourg legislation as it stood before uh, its modification in March 2019. Now the law uh, of 2014 does not say anything regarding the concerned taxpayer. It does neither provide nor forbid a specific uh, remedy for the taxpayer. And in my view, uh, this should mean that the possibility for the taxpayer uh, to appeal against the order should be recognized under the general remedy provided by Article 2 of the law of 1996 uh, organizing the administrative courts. Um, this is, uh, in my view, based uh, on Article 52 uh, of the EU Charter uh, on Human Rights, among others, uh, according to which uh, any limitation on the exercise of the rights and freedoms that are recognized by the Charter must be provided for by law, and one could not uh, interpret the silence uh, of the law of 2014 as uh, any kind of prohibition. There are ser several cases uh, that are currently pending before the uh, administrative tribunal where this uh, legal question will have to be, to be judged, and we will see, of course, what the, what the judges will say. But uh, I think we can anticipate uh, other changes of the law of 2014 in the future. Uh, Stephanie, uh, please uh, take your part. Thank you, Thierry. Uh, and I see we have already some questions in the Q&A. Uh, feel free to add your questions there if you have any. We will try to address them at the end of the session. So going back to our other topic, liability of representatives, I should have rather referred to tax liability because it's different from the liability that uh, results from the corporate company law. What is this? This is the, the situation where the Luxembourg tax authorities would chase the individuals who are directors or managers in a company to to get the payment of the tax debt of the company. In French, we recall that bulletin uh, d'appel en garantie, and in German, Haftungsbescheid. The procedure is, set, uh, is laid down in the general tax law, as you can see on the slide, and it has not changed since then, but what is changing is the number of increasing cases as you can see, it represents uh, more than one case out of five. It's, uh, it's an important topic because it concerns all taxes, corporate income tax, municipal business tax, network tax, and revolving tax on wages, which are the 
the major part of the caseload. They almost all relate to this matter. Um, and uh, also what is important is that there is no limitation in the amount of taxes due. So it means that if a company is liable to 10 million euro taxes, if they are seeking the, the liability of a manager, they could request this manager to pay 10 million of taxes on behalf of the company. Like each liability regime, this is subject to three conditions. First, the representative must have committed a mistake, wrongful behavior, then generated a damage, which is uh, easily attained because the taxes are not paid, and three, there, there must be a link between this misconduct and the, the absence of payment of taxes. I will uh, develop the, the first point, the, the misconduct of the representative and possible ways or discussions about the way to, to escape from this liability and from uh, this mistake. So the first case law is a reminder. Uh, you can not escape from, uh, from this liability by interposing uh, a corporate body. So it means, for instance, if you have a public limited company, Societe Anonyme, and uh, you appoint a director, which is a company, the tax authorities will be able to look through and to seek for the liability of the individual being in the corporate body, which is a director in the company. So this, you can forget about it to be discharged of your liability. Um, another point which is uh, often discussed in debated in the case law is uh, the, the mistake done by the representative and how possibly you could be discharged of it. The first three cases I have mentioned there are also a reminder from the, the administrative tribunal because they uh, make clear that the tax liability is a, is a public law matter and you cannot escape from it by, um, by discharging a, a representative with a private deed or a private agreement such as uh, the articles of association, delegation, or a share purchase agreement with, uh, where the buyer would discharge the manager of the company before the time of the sale, this is not working. Your manager would still be held liable. Uh, the second bullet point uh, refers here from cases from the administrative court. In these cases, the um, representative directors were, had committed a mistake because they were not performing their the first duties as managers, as directors, they, uh, which is to at least supervise the operations of the company and its tax obligations. In the first case, the, the case 43482, the judges considered the context in which the administrator or the director had been appointed. She had been appointed as a director under pressure because the shareholder 
indicated to her that she, if she would not take the, the position, the, the company would not have sufficient directors and would need to be liquidated, and therefore she would lose her job. So in this case, the, the court considered that the director should be considered as a victim and should thus not have committed a mistake in fulfilling the tax obligations of the company, and therefore she was discharged of her liability. In the second case, this was a director who accepted to be appointed as a director to, to please the shareholder, but he had no access to the financial data, and uh, the shareholder de facto representative, because indeed the shareholder was behaving as if he was the one managing the company. This guy managed the bank accounts and also was uh, facing criminal offenses. And still in this situation, the de jure representative, so the first director having been appointed, was not discharged because he didn't meet his first obligations of being diligent and supervising the, the affairs of the company. The last point, uh, I wanted to finish with a kind of positive message. These are two cases where the administrative court have uh, discharged the, the representatives from their liability because they have considered that, that this manager and this director have uh, fulfilled their obligations because in the first case, it was a case where the, it was relating to withholding tax on wages, and there was a slight difference between the amount as per the withholding tax returns filed by the company and the taxes declared by the individuals in their tax returns. And here, the, the judges retain that director in the same situation and with the same, same level of knowledge could not have been avoided this mistake, this discrepancy between the figures. So they do not consider that this manager should be held as liable for, for the tax debts of the company. In the second case, it, uh, a director had been appointed and um, it took possession of the job, but there was no financial data, so he sought information towards the banks and he hired an auditor to, to draft accounts. He contacted the prosecutor because he saw that there were some mistakes in the managing, in the management of the company and so on. And in this situation also, the, the judges considered that, that the manager has not committed any mistake. So the outcome of that and what we, we can conclude on that is that first, when you have proposed a role of manager or director, you should perform an audit of the tax status of the company where it is standing in the payment of taxes and in the filing of its tax returns. Second is during the, your mandate, you should be active, proactive, and uh, contact the authorities uh, as soon as you have a problem to show that you are diligent in performing your duties. And third point, third point which is also reminded by the, the judges this year or last year, 
It's that once you resign from your position as manager or director, please make sure that you publish the decision. Otherwise, it's, uh, it's not enforceable against the tax authorities. So this was it from my side. Thierry, if you... Thank you, Stephanie. Um, we have received several very interesting questions, uh, but uh, I see that we are already running out of time, and so we will be pleased to follow up uh, via email, uh, and, and we'll provide uh, some, some answers on these questions to, uh, to, to the various uh, persons having sent these uh, questions. Uh, I would like now to conclude, and thank you for attending uh, our today's webinar. We look forward to welcoming you uh, in our future webinars, including those of this week's series. Uh, Stephanie and myself uh, are, of course, at your disposal for any follow-up question you may have uh, on this webinar and uh, on tax litigation in particular. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this webinar. We hope you found it interesting. Should you need more information on our tax expertise, we invite you to visit our website www.arent.com. Besides, you can download our new app Arent Insight to keep Arent's expertise right at your fingertips around the clock.